for a consistency in shot shape. Then you're looking for a, um, typically a progression or a consistency with, with distance gapping. And for the most part, players tend to look for a, a distance gapping in the air that's consistent. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Well, 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 here we are again. We find ourselves in the Callaway Podcast Studio for another episode of the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Adelman, with uh, my good friend and special guest, host and guest and, and host, Garrett Pond. Garrett, That's a mouthful back. right there, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to classify you anymore because, you know, you're host some days, you're a guest some days, but let's just have, you know, two friends talking golf today. Let's do it. Um, this is an exciting episode of the fitting room. It's actually a topic we've never talked about before. And we talk a lot about, you know, getting new clubs, getting fit for clubs, knowing whether your clubs are right for you that are in your bag, but we've never really dug deep into this particular topic. And Garrett, I'm going to let you introduce it because you actually came to us and said, Hey, this is something that I know would be good for the show that we've never covered before. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right about that let's drop everything we're doing and go record this episode. So give me a, uh, uh, you know, 30,000 foot view of, of this, this episode. Yeah. So the, here's the rundown. So most fittings are, um, based around getting new clubs, buying new clubs, you go get fit and you're sold golf clubs or you, you're a tour player, you're going to get fit and you're leaving with new clubs. Um, we get a lot of tour players down at the test center and it's a fun fitting to go through because they come um, looking to make sure that their current clubs, you know, it's not ready to get next season's clubs yet, but they've got some important events coming up. They want to get their current clubs fine tuned and make sure that they're performing perfectly for them essentially. So it's sort of a tune up fitting or uh, as John Deegan down at the test center calls it, it's peace of mind fitting. Mm. So, um, Q school's going on right now. We had a handful of guys come in before first stage. They've got all our new products. Right. It's not like they need a, a you know next all new stuff. They want to make sure those new products. There's nothing they've they've you know no stone they've left unturned right. with how their bag's set up. So, so that's the fitting. So I'm gonna stop you right there. Yep. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the difference between a tune-up fitting and a full bag fitting, and we'll go through the process that a tour player goes through for a tune-up fitting which you could probably apply to you have your club championship coming up. You got your member guests coming up. You know, you're going on vacation to St. Andrews and you want to make sure you're, you've got uh, your best weapons there with you. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Just a few reminders here today. Um, the fitting room is part of the Callaway podcast network uh, with some wonderful shows that you should definitely listen to subscribe to subscribe here to the fitting room on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, but there's also wonderful shows like the ship show, the girls in golf podcast, which they've been doing great things lately. And of course the putting podcast. And you can always listen to, uh, old episodes, the archives of the fitting room. You can get those on wherever you listen to your, uh, podcast. And you can always hear us live with the live show, which is Monday nights at 5 PM Pacific, 8 PM Eastern on Sirius XM PGA tour radio. Um, that on that show, you can call in live and you can ask Garrett questions about your own game and Garrett will be there to answer them. Um, if that's not a hook, I don't really know what is. That's always a fun time. That's that. Those are, those are uh, really fun. We love doing them. We're going to continue doing them. We got our contract renewed for 2020. 
So we're in business. Um, but Garrett, let's get back into it. So, um, like you were saying, Q school, lots of guys coming in, you know, those are big tournaments. Cause if you make, you get a PJ tour card, um, you know, you'll be able to afford your mortgage payments for a while. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on those. So, uh, you know, let's start from the beginning. Take us through what, what, what is a tune up fitting? So, um, for the most part, everyone's already got their clubs that they know they're about to go play in whatever event that they're, they're going to play in, whether it's the member guest or their vacation or in this, in, in the case that we've seen recently, Q school, um, they want to know that, um, they're hitting them as good as they can essentially. So we kind of go through a little bit of a, a pre-fit interview like you would with a consumer, you know, looking for new clubs, but it's questions like, uh, are you, um, having shot shape issues with any particular club in your bag? Is any something out of pattern? You know, are you fading your five iron, you draw all your other clubs sort of thing, or are there gaps in your, uh, carry distances that you feel like need to be addressed either too close together too far apart, that sort of thing? Or is there just something that you dislike feel-wise? Sometimes guys will say, yeah, my, you know, my driver's shaft's not feeling good. I want to see if something feels better in my hands. Um, sometimes there's a, a specific shot that they know they're going to have to hit wherever they're going. So it might be a tee shot. You know, it's, it's going to be a windy course or a firm course. I, I need a, a utility iron with me instead of my hybrid. So I want to get one of those dialed in. And sometimes uh, because those guys are practicing so much, they say, you know, my, the grooves and my wedges are worn out. I want to get those. I was going to you know, ask you about wear and tear. Wear and tear is a big part of this type of fitting. So I heard a story, and I'm probably going to mess up some of the details, so nobody quote me on this, but I heard a story that um, Mr. Woods uh, would warm up with a pitching wedge, an 8-iron, a 5-iron, and then he'd go into his woods. So he hits a, he is notorious for practicing a lot. I mean, you know, he hits a lot of balls. Those clubs would get disproportionately worn out. Yeah, and so the eight iron, I think, was the story I heard. One season, he had won—I don't remember exactly what year it was—but he had already won like two or three majors. And typically, he would replace his irons like every eight months or something. Yep. And this set of irons, he had won like like sixty percent of times he played with them, so he didn't want to get rid of those clubs. And the eight iron had been worn so much, like the grooves were flat that it wasn't wasn't spinning it was spinning like a seven iron so his eight iron and his seven iron went the same distance because it was just so much less spin on the eight iron yep and um so he would but he did he didn't want to get rid of it so he would basically if he had eight iron distance he would have to like take something off and hit like a cut or something like that but he knew how the club was going to perform but um he it the face was just straight worn out yeah that's uh that's a big part of the tune-up fitting uh happens a lot with the pitching wedge or just a wedge that guys hit a lot of warm-up shots with like like you mentioned with tiger um so the uh it's common for the club that gets worn out if, if you mention hey are you having any gapping issues say they warm up with their pitching wedge almost every single time they'll say yeah my gap between my pitching wedge and my gap wedge is too big and then you go into um, kind of looking at the specs. Is it, are there big differences in loft? Are the lie angles doing something to what that might affect the distance? If everything sort of checks out there, 
is are the grooves actually um, you know not doing their their job on the pitching wedge and when a, a club does not produce as much spin the ball rolls up the face a little bit you get a higher launch angle and lower spin and people associate higher launch and lower spin with a driver to, to make the ball go farther it happens with a pitching wedge too so uh, naturally that pitching wedge starts going a little bit farther and if the the wedges on the the gap wedge are still biting and spinning that's not going any different it's not right. going shorter there right. essentially it's just you've created a gap by the pitching wedge getting worn out so you kind of uh, uncover things like that in this type of fitting so in that case they're not necessarily there to um um get new clubs but they definitely need a new pitching wedge so they would re just replace that one club possibly yeah now let's say you have an instance where uh you know maybe it is also the warm-up clubs the the faces are fine you know um uh no issues there but a grip is worn out or maybe a driver right a driver grip you hit the driver a lot on the range are what's your approach on do you just replace the single grip or would if you replace one you replace them all that's a little more player dependent if they um you know personality wise sometimes everything's got to be done exactly at the same time other times it's like no the other the, you know, the rest of them are fine i don't hit those as often but the driver yeah it needs a new grip so uh we get we get both and and you know at the test center we're there to provide the whatever service that that the pros need from us so if they want just the driver done you got no it problem. if you want them all done you betcha lofts and lies uh how often do you see like loft or lie creep you know where a club just you don't know what happened, but it's two degrees stronger than it used to be. Does that come up? It, it happens, yeah. Um, usually we'll ask, uh, or, or someone will mention um, a club that sort of feels like it's out of pattern with how they hit all the rest of their clubs. It could be a seven or a six or five, any, any of the irons in their bag. Um, and it's kind of fun to, to watch them hit um, kind of down through the set. They start at the pitching wedge and go all the way through to their longest iron. And you see the little clusters of shot on the track man data um, that have a proximity to the target line and a, um, a sort of a dispersion around w where they're aiming. And then all of a sudden they get to the club. They said, yeah, that's I'm not hitting this club quite as good. And sometimes they articulate it like really well. Like, yeah, I miss this one to the right um, more than I miss everything else. And sometimes it's. Um, they'll they'll just sort of mention yeah i'm not hitting my seven iron as good and they don't know that they're hitting it more right um or left or whatever right um so sure enough you go and measure the loft and the lie and they might be a little out of pattern so if you go through all the lie angles everything's one degree flat then all of a sudden the club that's out of pattern was two degrees flat so you say mm -hmm. yeah let's bump that um and sometimes it's the lie angles seem to be fine relative to the rest of them um, they say, well, you're certainly hitting that one club with a slightly different shot shape than the rest of the bag. It's up to you. We can try moving the lie angle to where that one club's a degree upright and see if it starts producing a shot that's in pattern with how all your other clubs right. fly. Or you can just know that your specs are fine, and then if you're missing that one club you know, more so than the rest of them, it's kind of there's a human element involved right. with these things too. Personally, so. I like that approach of looking at each club as its own unique club. Yeah. And everything if, should be a la carte. Yeah. If the six iron is going perfect and the five iron's going a little right, even if let's say you have them both at one degree flat, there's no reason that they all have to be one degree flat. It's yeah. relative to a, a somewhat arbitrary. I mean, it is data driven, but what the set should be. 
And with different length clubs, different people's postures, different arm lengths, different attacks, you know, sometimes a guy will swing a, a driver, which is really long, it's completely different than they'll swing a wedge. Um, so there's no reason that it has to be one degree flat through the whole set. Trust the ball. Absolutely. The ball is the uh, the greatest tell. Yes. Now, how much do you look at uh, the tune-up fitting for, let's say, you know, this is a popular one that we hear a lot, uh, first major of the year, Augusta, the conditions are, you know, really fast and firm, and so guys are, you know, changing bounces on wedges, etc. So how much is the tune-up intended for, I need a tune-up because I'm going to play in Scotland, or I need a tune-up just generally, and it's not about getting specific clubs for courses, but just... I just want my set dialed. Um, everyone's trying to, on the on the PGA Tour anyway, everyone's trying to get ready for Augusta. And it's not always like a tune-up fit because that happens to be the time of year where new, clubs are always new. So right. anyone that's, that's playing in the Masters, for the most part, you know, they've got someone's logo on their bag or on their hat. So they've got to try and get newer product into their bag as right. part, of, part of those agreements. Um so they're kind of going through the process of getting their bag ready for the rest of the season anyway. Got it. Um, so it's a pretty pretty big mad scramble for for Augusta. I, I do know on the trailer that week, the, the wedges uh, are the clubs that get built the most for sort of that specific course. And, and the British Open is very similar in that way too. There you get a lot of, um, you know, low-flying tee shot clubs put into players' bags as well, you know, the British Open utilities and whatnot so so let's get back to the fitting itself so you have a player hit each of their clubs you're measuring well you, not only will we do spec checks but we're using TrackMan to measure i guess what is it that you're looking for from each club going club to club so you're looking for a consistency in shot shape uh for one which we kind of addressed a second ago if it's something's out of pattern you kind of have to figure out if it's spec related, player related, what are your options to address it, lie, lie angle, so forth. Um, then you're looking for a, um, typically a progression or a consistency with, with distance gapping. And for the most part, players tend to look for a, a distance gapping in the air that's consistent pretty much all the way till they get to a three wood. So if it's um, you know a gap wedge to a pitching wedge, the distance between those two, Oftentimes they want that same number between the pitch and the nine, the nine and the eight, all the way through the rest of their bag. And if we uh, find that they get to a, a club where there's uh, compression in their distance gaps, usually farther down in the set, it'll happen for any player for the most part where they don't hit a club high enough to maintain that, that distance gap or maybe they don't have enough speed with, uh, with that club to hit it farther than the previous club. For amateurs or slower swing speed players, it tends to happen a lot higher up in the iron sets, like a five or a six. For a tour player, it might be a two, three, or four. So wherever that compression happens, you have to sort of identify why it would happen. Are they hitting it too low with their three iron to where it's not staying in the air long enough to fly the right gapping past the four iron? Or are they hitting it nice and high, it's landing soft, but they don't have enough ball speed with the three iron relative to the four iron to have it go far enough past the four iron. So you kind of have to identify why the compression occurs, and then you go through the process of identifying solutions to address it. I like that word compression. That's a new word for me with this, with respect to gapping. 
Yeah. So that's a good fitter term. Distance compression. Yeah. Pro fitter lingo right I'd there. How to patent that term. You should. That's <laughs> that's good. So and the beauty of some of that is if it is, you know, a loft, let's say it's not a club head speed thing, but it's maybe it's a launch spin thing. You could really make an adjustment right there, give it back to them and get it fixed immediately. Yeah. So if, uh, say for instance, a player's um, compression, um, we'll just stick with the three iron as an example. Again, it could be a four, it could be five, depending on the player. Uh, depending on the speed, um, but say the three irons going too low, they may, they the ball loses lift because it's not got enough backspin on it, and the overall distance is probably fine. But per, per, perhaps the player wants the the carry distance to be you know the same between the three and the four as all the other clubs. So if it's just a matter of how do we get them to fly higher, pretty simple. You add loft to that that club, launch and spin, start going up. You get um, anywhere from you know quarter to half degree of launch typically from a degree, and two to three hundred RPMs of spin. So that's enough at tour level speeds for sure to start seeing the ball go higher. Mm. The question then becomes: if they get it higher and landing softer, did they rob some of the potential for distance right. to gain some of the the you know softer landing that they're after? So you're kind of playing with that recipe of ball speed and spin. If um, there's not enough ball speed available in that that player's three iron by the time you've got it landing soft enough, um, then you have to figure out how to gain ball speed. So that's where um, you start getting creative as a fitter, which is a fun problem to solve. Um, you know, you go, okay, well, we can make you swing the club faster if we make the shaft longer, if we give you a lighter shaft. Is um, so then we'll start having players try that sort of thing or. Perhaps we'll give you a three iron with a cup face instead of a non-cup face. So you go with Apex Pro that has a um, you know a little more ball speed than a Apex Muscleback type iron, and see if that's enough to get you the ball speed combined with the launch and spin that achieve the trajectory the player wants with the yardage gap they need. So it's like real you know problem solving on the fly. Like yeah, here's all the different ingredients. How do we you know, mix and match and, and get creative on, on how you do that. Now, is there a rule of thumb for club to club, the, the Delta in uh, launch angle and spin rate? Is there something that you look for? Is it kind of, you, you see what patterns the player's producing? Yeah. You kind of see what patterns the player's producing. Um, at the amateur level, um, they don't tend to spin the ball nearly as much as the tour level. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. More, most amateurs don't swing as fast as a tour player, and spin and speed is uh, sort of a precursor of spin. If you swing faster, you can create more spin. So um, amateurs tend to spin the ball a little bit less, and they tend to use irons that help them hit a little bit farther. And a, and a distance iron, kind of a, one of the byproducts of a distance iron, is lower spin. Mm. So um, you'll start to see um, that lower ball flight happen higher up in the set for most amateurs because they start with a little lower spin because they're using distance irons. Um, but at the tour level, a thousand RPMs on whatever number iron they, uh, are swinging in the, especially in the middle of their set, eight, seven, six, all those, if they spin about 6,000 on a six, 7,000 on a seven, that tends to give them a, a trajectory that looks efficient. Right flies nice and high, lands soft, but doesn't get, you know, ballooned up in the wind. And then by the time they get to the, to the longer irons, they tend to want to maintain a little more of the spin. So if they're hitting a three iron, 
3,000 spins starts to not look like not enough. Right. Um, and that's why those distance compression, um, that, that starts to happen because right. how do you get enough of a change in ball speed on a three iron from the four iron while you're um, adding more adding spin? spin yeah. yeah. So that's fascinating. The, the, uh, yeah, the, it, it, I mean, wh- when the tour player or player can hit the club face every time in the middle, the options that you have are way broader because you don't need to be fitting for mistakes. You can be fitting for uh, performance. And I would say for amateur golfers who are not swinging a seven iron, you know, 95, 100 miles per hour, it's okay to have your seven iron launch or your seven iron spin rate to be at 5,000. Yeah, you know? there's been a lot of talk. Um, if if our listeners are kind of uh, staying on trend with what's happening in in sort of the world of fitting, there's been a lot of talk lately about landing angle. It's got to be a certain uh, de- angle of the ball angle approach, of descent, yeah. angle of descent coming into the to the green, so that you maximize your control. Um, and there's a little bit of a trade off. The higher you hit it, and the softer you land it, the shorter you're going to hit the ball uh, to some extent. So some players have a preference to play that way. If you're a tour player, yeah, you got to play that way because the pins are tucked on the sides of the greens and they're firm and you got to cover traps, um, you know, where the pins tucked behind. Sometimes an amateur, if they see a back pin, if they had to fly the ball to a back pin, they kind of get scared because if they screw that shot up, they might go over the back of the green. Or they fly it there and there's not enough spin to stop it. Or they do that. So they might feel real comfortable kind of, okay, I can land this on the front and I know it's going to roll all the way to the back where that pin is. So um, there's definitely got to be some sense of a player having a a preference to perform a certain way um, or or hit the ball a certain way, not necessarily a fitter saying that's not how you should play. Right. Now, in your uh, personal preference, do you look forward to the tune-up fitting? Like how do you – stack them in your mind of the new club fitting versus the tune-up fitting is one more fun than, than the other or do you enjoy doing them more than the other uh the tune-up fitting is pretty fun actually uh just because you get to kind of see um kind of the progression of how it's usually we're doing it with tour players if we get a, a non-tour player to the test center they're there because they you, you want to, you're yeah. going to send them new clubs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So, um, <laughs> but with the tour players, it's kind of fun. You get to see, um, kind of just how consistent they hit through the bag. Um, little clusters of shots one after the other down, down the, the simulation on a track man display. Uh, but if they run into an issue, it's kind of fun to solve that, that problem. And the sort of the relief that they get knowing they're about to go, you know, place in something that's pretty important for them where they're more confident leaving that you get kind of a, just a cool sense of accomplishment for the day. Uh, but the problem solving is, is pretty fun. Um, um, because in a normal fitting, you don't necessarily get to identify as many of those little subtle things to try and fine tune someone's bag. Now, Garrett, you, you're, you for a living, you're get fired up about solving problems for, you know, the tune-up fitting, tour players' bags. But the good news for our listeners is you also are excited about solving their problems with their game and their equipment, which you can do, and you can talk to Garrett every Monday night, most 
most Monday nights at 5, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, The Fitting Room Live. Uh, we'll be there you know, every week uh, taking callers. Um, so if you have a big event coming up and you are seeing an anomaly in your game and you're seeing, you know, 13 of my clubs or 12 of my clubs are working great, but this one is just giving me issues, give us a call and um, we can diagnose that. We'll ask you some questions. We'll figure out what's going on. And that that's on the Callaway uh, – sorry, that's on the Fitting Room Live on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. So, Garrett, any final words about the tune-up fitting? No, I think if you can find a, a good fitter uh, to the listeners out there in, in, the, in whatever area you're in, it's probably uh, worth your time to uh, invest in, in uh, spending a day hitting the clubs you already own and identifying um, maybe where there's some weaknesses that you maybe need to add just one club or two club um, or get the comfort that uh, you know your yardage gaps perfectly now and that you, you're, the clubs that you got fit for earlier in the year or last time you got them are still really good. And if you have a gap in the top end of your bag, you can check out the new Super Hybrid at CallawayGolf.com and listen to the Fitting Room episode about the Super Hybrid, which just came out uh, last week. And you could also, if you have a, an issue at the bottom of your bag, check out the new Odyssey 10 and Bird of Prey uh, from the Stroke Lab family. You can see those at OdysseyGolf.com. And that was... Uh, podcast that came out about two weeks ago from the fitting room so you can learn all you need to know there um thank you for listening to this episode of the fitting room this episode was produced by daniel burns and tyler sheehan and we will be back next week same time same place right here in the fitting room <laughs>